Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall, and today's topic, the legacy of Eric Bischoff. Welcome to the OWP. This is our wrestling podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Hello, David. And cuz. I'm back. Oh, my God. Bringing you our perspective on the world of professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards sharing opinions with you. And now on to our topic today, the legacy of Eric Bischoff. Guys, you know, well... Hold on. Just give me one second. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or just do the easy thing. Download WrestlePost at no charge to you and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. Hey, cuz, Jess, why are we talking about Bischoff today? What's going on? I'm back, and I'm back in the unemployment line. Well, I'm just, I want to know when his new song's coming out that's called I'm Gone, Gone, yeah, Gone. And I'm moving back home oh, now. God. Three months out. Uh, because he Already recently got fired. Oh, sorry. Wow, Jesus. He recently got fired, and that's why we're talking about him. And uh, it was a very quick exit, actually. A lot quicker than what people thought. Well, was it really, though? With Bubba the Little Sponge Wife. Did, yeah. Right. And did, any, did anybody think it was going to last as long as it did? I mean, let's can we be real about that? I mean. No, I didn't think it was going to be this short. Hmm. No, I thought it was going to be longer. Yeah. I knew it was. I mean, I let's knew put it, was it this way. I, and it wasn't right from the beginning. But I mean, honestly, like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't even know if we published it. It might have been one of the dark episodes that never made it or something like that. Or maybe it did. But I specifically said that, like, he was just like, he has not done anything since WCW. And we're going to cover that. And it's that's completely historic on its own. His accomplishments in WCW is Hall of Fame worthy on its own. But that's, sure. that's it. He's just been skating on that. Nothing he's done since then, even though his character, when he briefly came back as an on-screen character in WWE, as Eric Bischoff, the general manager, that was very good. But, I mean, he wasn't doing creative or... Or he wasn't doing creative or producing back then, but everything that he's tried to venture into, where he's played like done the role, like he did in WCW, TNA, absolute dumpster fire disaster, and and this last venture here, just total God. ridiculousness. Like yeah, it was all brutal. So uh, I mean, I just kind of fast forwarded through the end of the episode, and you can catch us on OWP. No, <laughs> hey, whoa, watch your language. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, 
You know, the reason why we're talking about this is because Eric Bischoff has made several headlines over the past week. Obviously, just being brutally dismissed, not not only replaced, but then dismissed for the likes of Bruce Pritchard um, for the realm of SmackDown, right, Jess? I mean, is it Raw or SmackDown? No, it's SmackDown. It is SmackDown. So, you know, we're, we're talking about why. Whoa, how'd that happen? But I, I, I know, like... You can talk in hindsight and all those items, but we even said from the beginning, we're like, they're really hiring Bischoff. I mean, Pritchard, I kind of get, even though we we disagree with that. That'll last a little longer because you can. Pritchard knows how to, he knows how to woo the VKM He's machine, a, if you will. Yeah, it's all good, but you know, Bischoff's not about that, and it's even worse if the stories are true that Bischoff didn't want to. Or, or didn't know what was going on or didn't have any research done. I don't really believe that, by the way, um, just to defend Bishop. I think he did have a good understanding of what was going on in, in the realm of the WWE universe. But um, he's also not going to back down to any bullshit and he doesn't care about getting fired. And if he doesn't want to do if they don't want to do it his way, fuck off. Right. And I, I believe that's probably what happened. But. You know, that, that's why we're talking about it today and this week is because he's in the headlines. But the reason why Bischoff is in the headlines is because of what he's done in WCW. Um, and I think we should start getting into that. Anything else you want to add before we get started? No, I no. feel that. <laughs> oh, you guys are terrible. I'll give you a break. Oh, give me a break. I won't, I won't I delay the breaks. podcast. Go fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> so, by the way, speaking of Eric Bischoff, Bischoff started uh, working wrestling in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. He actually worked in the NWA, believe it or not, in 1987 under Vern Gagne. Uh, he'd become an on-air interviewer there, and he actually hosted the AWA until they folded in 91. Um, Bischoff obviously did some other items, and he's done some producing since then, but um, <laughs> he worked in their syndicated programming. He became an on-air personality kind of by accident at the last minute. Um, talking about falling into the role, right? Eric Bischoff is the ultimate on-air character. We start to see that later when he gets into WCW, but um, this is where he started. A lot of people don't know he started in the AWA. What do you guys have to say about that? He can. I mean, it's funny when you look at a resume and you see that somebody worked for the AWA, you're like, wow, like, He's an old school guy. And and yeah, he started a long time ago, you know, being introduced in 87, basically to the wrestling world. But um, AWA was dying at that point. I mean, once when he got on screen as like an announcer for AWA, it was just a, it was a dying breed. I mean, Vince had already sunk his claws in and done what he needed to do. And in 1987, all you were talking about was Mania 3, really, at that point, because that's how big it had gotten. And Crockett was even reeling from that. And then Vince was doing his little tricks in the pay-per-view uh, realm and uh, strong-arming people there. So AWA was just an afterthought, and especially when it folded. I mean, I can't, some of that shit is true wrestle crap. Um, but but he can put, and he was smart. He put it on his resume. When you Again, like I said, when you look at his resume and you see Eric Bischoff worked for AWA, really? Like AWA at one time was a, a big company and a very successful territory. Um, and Vern Gagne was a huge star on his own. And... You know, so there was a lot of history there and a lot of lineage there. But unfortunately, Bischoff came in when it was just dying. He just sort of jumped on the end of the vine. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Any thoughts, cuz? 
No, it just sometimes you forget oh, that Bischoff no. was in wrestling that long. You know, just certain wow. guys, like it seems like he would, like, you know, because he's obviously good at producing. So, you know, there's certain guys that are in wrestling and, and maybe they're not like passionate about pro wrestling. And like Bischoff comes off as one of those guys like, oh, it seems like he's just a, a producer. Like he's just known for being a producer or and that's all he wanted to do. Rather, You know, producer before pro wrestling. But then you see that he was in the AWA and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like just said, you think, oh, he's he, that's old school. Didn't know he was in it back then. And I didn't know much about Bischoff before WCW, obviously. So, but and I think most people don't, Yeah, you know, and basically there was a moment where the AWA could meet payroll. And that's where Bischoff kind of turned to the WWF at the time, auditioned 1990, by the way, and he was not hired. Could you imagine (laughs) Eric Bischoff hired by the WWF in 1990? That'd be a different. uh, God, I don't even know. I don't even know what would happen. The wrestling world would have been super different. But there's a famous video. There's a famous video online of his audition. And I want to say that Vince. Yeah, Vince is off camera. And Bischoff is in front of in front of the green screen, but it has like a wrestling crowd behind it. You know, it's like he's standing in an arena kind of thing, oh, okay. but it's it's front of a green screen. And um, and yeah. I think I want to say Vince gave him a broom and said, "Sell me this broom." And it was this uncomfortable thing where Bischoff was like, "Oh, I think it was a. Br- I'm pretty sure it was a broom he gave him. I can't remember the object, but I, for some reason a broom is sticking in my head." And he was like, "Oh, you know, this ob- you could use it to sweep things up. You could do this." And it was like a very uncomfortable like audition. He didn't get the job. Needless to say. Yeah. Which kind of thank which, thank goodness when you really think I'll about say, it. I say thank God. Wrestling would be a lot <laughs> right? different in general nowadays. Because <clears throat> that brings it into the WCW era from 91 to 2001. We have his arrival in 91. He joined WCW as a C show announcer, actually. And he debuted at the Great American Bash. And Brad Armstrong, the WCW light heavyweight champion of the world, recently incurred a knee injury while defending that title in Japan. Brad Armstrong hoping that this knee injury will not put an early end to his championship reign. And there's a lot of challengers on the horizon hoping that as well. We'll talk more about Brad Armstrong and his knee injury in just a few moments. But before we do that, let's take a look at a highlight reel, if you will, of the WCW light heavyweight champion. He was an announcer there. He reported to actually Tony Schiavone, of all people, if you can believe that. And that reported to Jim Ross, who was the kind of the VP of broadcasting at that time. And we all know a lot of things changed. 93, there was a there was a president of WCW by the name of Bill Watts. <laughs> the monies, right? No, that was, that was uh, he a, actually Jim Hurd. Jim Hurd. Oh, I'm sorry, Jim Hurd. Bill Watts and, well, is not and much that's, better. That's an interesting point because uh, – you know, Jim Hurd actually brought Bischoff in because he was young and good looking and he wanted to put some pressure and some fire under JR's ass. He wanted to make JR uncomfortable because Jim Hurd's <laughs> a piece of shit. I don't know if I've called Jim Hurd a piece of shit in a long time, but he is. And so he, he, he just was like, oh, let's bring this guy in and we'll put some pressure on JR. It's a young, good looking guy or whatever. Never mind that JR is the fucking, even back then, was probably the greatest like play by play of all time. Yeah. But man. I mean, uh, uh, and yes, I know who Gordon Soli is. Anyway. And uh, yeah, and yeah, like so, yeah. I just feel that like yeah, he was brought in again. To these odd circumstances, he was brought in to like put pressure on Jr. No future for him. Like Dave said, a C fucking announcer. Like he was doing their syndicated like worldwide wrestling show. Hi, I'm Eric Bischoff. Like it was just kind of that. That was really going to be his future. And in this short time that we're going to talk about, it's kind of amazing that and and kind of a symbol of how fucked up WCW was and what a dumpster well, fire that place was. Like that he. 
he jumped up the ladder. He fucking didn't just skip a rung or two. He like jumped the fuck like from the bottom of the ladder all the way up, like probably in one. You know, you know what's interesting, Jess? We just had a show in our archives from a week ago called Right Place, Right Time. (laughs) Great episode. (laughs) I, I don't I don't know why Bischoff was yeah Bischoff should have been right? number one Dave you know <laughs> should have been number two. one <laughs> right place right, right time so, like fired by WWE or not hired by WWE yeah and I think right place right place right time we were looking at wrestlers getting title shots but gosh in the realm of executive power Bischoff is undeniably at the top of this list so when you start looking at this you you realize that because of this pressure you know the the likes of Jim Ross leave they go to WWF at that time. Um, and then Bischoff goes to uh, you know Bill Shaw and Bill do and he applies for the job of executive well and yeah producer. and then that's when we get to Bill Watts Bill Watts got brought in again like he's like the one hundred and fifty person that got brought in to try <laughs> to run creative slash production slash WCW slash whatever and um, that's when he resigned right and he he lasted like I think just he didn't even he got hired in ninety two and it got fired before the end of ninety two. And uh, and so after that, WCW was back to fucking square one. You know, they had tried these former wrestlers like Bill Watts was a former famous wrestler and he ran the UWF in the late 80s successfully. Um, so well, it got bought out by Crockett, who then went out of business a year <laughs> later. So that's how great the UWF was. You know, so many people fucking praise Bill Watts. And I just don't I like some of his stuff and I think everything has a place. But I don't understand how people praise Bill Watts so much. Jim Ross loves him. Like, like, and that's fine. And, and because, you know, Bill Watts gave him kind of his start and sort of nurtured him and stuff. And I get you have a kinship towards somebody who, like, nurtured you and, like, was kind of like your mentor. Gave you a chance, yeah. Yeah, but, like, Bill Watts, like, fuck, like, U- UWF did so great in the late 80s that Crockett bought it. And then a year later, Crockett fucking folded and Turner bought it. And we're kind of in that era right now. And it's, like, it's just so funny how people are like, Bill Watts is Bill Watts that. I'm like, God damn, like. Guys, he lasted less than ECW fucking did. Like, so stop right now. Like, and I'm not saying he didn't, you know, he pushed Dr. Death. He pushed Hacksaw. He pushed everybody. But like, yeah, like he lasted. Oh, yeah. He lasted fucking two seconds in WCW. And people were like, oh, he was just out of touch. I was like, okay. I mean, okay. If he's a massive genius, like I know everyone falls out of touch to a certain extent. I mean, Vince is out of touch. Let's be honest. But at the yeah. same time, like, yeah, like I just people praise him. I don't know. You maybe I'm, maybe I wasn't bitch. born in the fucking 70s and didn't watch Bill Watts wrestle and then fucking. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm never was in touch with the that fucking day. But I mean, anyway, I don't know how I got off on a, on a Bill Watts rant. You goddamn whippersnapper. <laughs> yeah. So he got his fucking old school way. He goes to WCW and WCW, by the way, is in like trying to push a cruiserweight division. Right. They're in the middle of trying to push a cruiserweight division. So this fuck nut. Says you can't <laughs> jump off the top rope and jump onto a prone employ a prone opponent. You'll get disqualified. Fucking dork! Like you have a like, you fucking idiot. Like and then uh, he also took the mats away from the outside of the ring so it could look extra fucking second class and dingy and shitty. So literally they had all concrete around the ring, no mats. And he's like, "That's trash, that's, man. It's gonna look painful when you get thrown out." I'm like, "No, it's fucking not. It looks like a fucking second rate fucking company." It looks like I'm inside of a gym. Right and then now. he also dimmed the lights to the crowd, which makes it look like no one's there, which probably it wasn't. They probably were in like a five thousand seat arena and they had five hundred people there. But I mean, like it's just it was all bad. So he gets fired. And then Bischoff, of all people, creeps in and like Dave was saying, and take it away, Davey applies for the job. Yeah, it's funny because Ross and Giovanni, you would think, oh, yeah, those are the top guys. But Bischoff was hired in place of Watts, right? And uh, Shivani remained a producer. And we know that Ross was granted his release and went to work for WWF. And then 
Bischoff and uh, Bob, do you work together as partners for a brief time? And they they clashed over that direction of WCW, right? And in 94, Bischoff was promoted from executive producer to executive vice president, putting him in charge of everything, which causes due to resign. Um, and then also there, there were some other people, event managers resigned. Um, Jim Barnett resigned. I was I was I resigned. Uh, and then Bischoff convinced Turner executives to uh, to finance WCW in order to compete with WWF. If if you read Bischoff's books, if you you know he's like, well, what do we need? You know, you, you talk to Turner. What do we need? What what do you got to do? He's like, well, you know, and and we'll get to it. It's like, put me on Monday nights, right? Finance me, get me this. And Turner's like, okay. He and Turner took something that was always recording a loss every single every well, single yeah, Turner week, was every pumping, just month. pumping money into it he loved it because it was because he loved that he loved the idea of wrestling. wrestling always drew good ratings so when he was working and trying to make the superstation TBS like a thing you know this this unheard of yeah. cable thing like that he was trying he the Braves and pro wrestling got him big ratings all of the time mm-hmm. so while he was trying to establish this network these superstations Wrestling always was there. So when he bought Crockett's share of the NWA, which was the biggest chunk, and turned it into WCW, he was just like, I don't care. He would he was known going around the office telling you, I don't care how much money it loses, it's it stays. And so that's just what like he did. It got good ratings almost all the time. So he loved it and he always pumped stock into it. And I want to go back to what uh uh Dave said and Cuz said this too, that Eric was a good producer. You know, everybody wanted yeah. to make the monies and just get a piece of the pie before. And they tried so hard, whether it was trying to bring old school back or try to, you know, bring the ding dongs in or Arachnaman or fucking Big Josh with bears coming down or whatever. They all were just hey, what's wrong with the ding dongs, bro? Vince's yeah, Vince is getting the kids and he's getting, you know, this, the so we're just gonna copy him and you know, God, you know, God willing, we'll get some of the monies and a piece of the pie, which is just the stupidest fucking like business model yeah. I've ever heard of. So Bischoff comes along and Bischoff's like, okay, our production is shit. It should really start. It matters <laughs> how you produce people. So you could have the best character ever, but if he's not, if the production's awful and you look second rate, it's never going to get off the ground. So I'm going to light up the arenas. I'm going to make sure whether we give away tickets or not, I'm going to make sure that it's well lit or we're going to move all the people over to one side of the building, which was exactly what Vince did. And Vince did the same mm-hmm. thing. Everyone talks about Vince and his ability to make giants over. Okay, that that's true. He did that with Hulk for years, and I get it. Uh, and he makes stars. Okay, I agree with that too. All of that is very true. And and he did tell good stories, even though it was bubble gum and stuff in the '90s, whatever. But it was really good stories. Vince was he always was like six months thought out already. Right at SummerSlam, they knew the main event of WrestleMania already of the next year. So, but what nobody really understood. And what Vince understood early on is production, production, production. That's why he did the syndicated superstars of wrestling and wrestling challenge. He would get an arena. He would put 15,000 people in there and he would film like four weeks worth of television. And he did it because it was a full arena and it was lit and you could see the top row and you didn't have to. It wasn't just like the one spotlight on the ring and everything else was dark. He did that. Because he knew like that looks fucking top notch. That looks class A. It doesn't look Bush League. It doesn't look like the smoke filled arenas like so many people have said you know that phrase. And so he did that. So Bischoff's like, well, we're going to fucking do that, too. And Dave, I know you'll get into it, but he changed the way they did house shows as well. Right. Oh, it's an it's entirely different. I mean, 
it actually rules exactly into what we're talking about. I mean, when he was produced, when he was promoted from where he was to executive producer, he starts basically saying, Hey, we're not making any money on these fucking house shows. So what Bischoff does is he literally moves the production to Disney MGM studios in Florida, or really am I, I mean, everything I've looked at, everything I've, Research. I'm not that big of a researcher. I'll be honest. They didn't charge Jess. No, it was all. You, if you got admission if, into the park, you got in there. So they had yeah, like. Some, so if you wanted, yeah, if you wanted to get out of the heat, you can watch some WCW. Quite frankly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like it was like a, a two or three hundred seat room, and they. The ring was on a circle platform and the ring spun like and it was just like he just changed it to, well, yeah, there's only, you know, 200 people in here, but there's no empty seats and yeah. I can position the cameras to where I shoot the audience and all you see is crowd in the background. And, uh, you know, we just we put applause and boo signs up like a, a production studio, like television, sure. like the old Crockett promotion used to do the old Mid-Atlantic. Like did, what a producer like, would do, Jess, like NWA which is what power, kind of like NWA power is doing right now. And yeah, yes, perfect point. Yeah. So Bischoff was doing the exact same thing and Bischoff did it too. And Bischoff realized that I can, I, all I have to care about is television ratings. I don't have to care about what the house draws. And, and Bischoff yeah. has said this several times. He's like, everybody wanted you to do more house shows to try to get more money. When you don't realize if you put out more house shows that are losing money, you're going to lose more. Yeah. Money. Fuck. Like He's the like, rent's not going to change. Basic. Like, you know, so nothing, Bischoff's like, yeah. let me, well, where, where can I where can I go where I don't have to pay for an arena? Oh, Disney MGM. They're just going to give this to me so I can put this on television and I can try to get TV money, which was a totally different concept at the time. You start thinking about where Vince and Vince was tr- eventually moving that way. Don't get me wrong, because he understood TV, but he also was really, really attached to house shows. And understandably so, because well, that but that was working w- for Vince. That was just of course. That, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It was they were making a ton of money on house. WCW, WCW was not doing that, so they they were. It was the it was the all money because ball, it right? wasn't Adapt Bischoff, or die. Bischoff was the first one that steered away from let's copy Vince and make the monies. And like mm-hmm. some people not understanding, it was just working for Vince because they kind of had the biggest wrestler ever up to that point, Hulk Hogan. So that's kind of going to move. And the they bought all the other territory ones as well. So instead, right, WWE did not have that. So so they were just yeah. like trying to break the. I don't understand it. Like he has a bird and a guy with a bird on his shoulder, and I have Big Josh and bears. What's the difference? Well, the difference, you dumb fuck, is that Hulk Hogan's driving the fucking yeah. bus, and then they got lucky the and they got a monster. You don't man, have Hogan, and then they got lucky and they got a warrior. So you don't fucking get that. Like Vince knows how to make cartoon characters capture the kids, literally reach out and pull the kids in the TV, like The Exorcist. That's kind of scary. Um, so that's a bad analogy because that's freaking me the shit out right now. But um, 
But like, it just <sighs> nobody gets it. Everybody was like, "Let's copy the baby." Like, and and so if you were gonna copy the monies, you would make Sting and Lex Luger your fucking top guys immediately because they were the larger than life cartoon characters, charismatic. But they never did. They would want to make the monies, but they would just put the belt on weird people and not push the right people. And Bischoff was the first one, like we've been saying, to go in there and just be like, "God, you know, like fuck, like before you make stars, you gotta fucking make your product nice." Like, come on, guys, we don't have these stars. We don't have what Vince has. You, he's doing house show business because he has actual like mega stars we have fucking like arachnaman and shit and the ding dongs and so we don't because <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I, I hear you i hear you sighing in the background no no, no to that no just excitement i'm like because you kind of have to admit that you're kind of defending that the warrior was because god damn it we waited a week you didn't to bring have you the guy that played and the warrior sigh i bring you in leave it to cuz like shrink this episode down to about the warrior even though we always bring up hulk every episode um, yeah. <laughs> well, we got to counter like, it, you know. But but yeah, I mean, Vince made stars for God's sakes. Like, how can you deny that? And they they missed but that exactly. And then when they realized that okay, we're going to try to make stars, they're not understanding that he start. It was a combination of everything. He produced. You have to produce Hulk the right way. You have to, and you have to book him the right way, which is a part of producing in a certain extent. And then you have to put him on the right talk shows. You have to put him on the right syndicated television at the right time. Not every week. Don't wear people out of him. Don't don't like water him down. You, you do it right. You produce him right. And so Bischoff is the first one to be like, let's just start from the ground and put the ring in the middle of a blank canvas. And then what are we going to put around that? Not a dark arena, not a not a, a ring with no mats around the side to make the dirty fucking concrete with the sticky fucking beer spilt all over it and shit like shine in the camera angle well like i mean and 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 by the way jess not to interrupt but there was another big um portion of this that really matters and while this is all happening there's a certain greased up you know over the top wrestler that happens to be filming thunder in paradise right there in florida (laughs) when they're doing so odd we're gonna talk about brother that's weird brother i'm here again brother oh my god because it matters because it matters. Uh, All I'm trying to say is that, you know, Bischoff uh, goes to Turner th- and Turner says, what do you need to compete? My thunder. I need, <laughs> I, I need Hogan. I need, I need Hulk Hogan. A thermos sized penis. And he's like, I think you should go. Now get, it's a thermos. You now should go get Hulk thermos. Hogan. All right. So <laughs> there was a couple of things there, right? You have to understand there's, there's, I, I, in my opinion, three major things that happened. Bischoff pulls house shows. He goes to a free arena where he can try to get TV money. He gets Hogan on a major signing. That's a big fucking deal, obviously. And he increases pay-per-views. He goes to seven a year, and then he goes to 10, and then he goes monthly. This all matters in the realm of what you're trying to build on TV to get people to buy pay-per-views, right? Which is all that Vince wanted to do when Vince just did it to piss off. You know, the likes of Watson. And, and there's a famous else. story, too, and I don't remember the principles involved, but someone that was a high ranking exec with Turner, uh, Bischoff made a bet with him. And the guy's like, you'll never turn a profit with this company. It's never profited since One dollar. It. And Bischoff said, I bet you that I will I will profit one at least one dollar at the end of 1995. And if if I do. I want you in a public meeting to get down. I'll bet you a dollar that will profit a dollar is what he said. And uh, yeah. and uh, he's like a, a profit, at least a dollar. And I'll bet you one dollar. 
and I want you to get down on your knees and hand it to me when I win. And Bischoff, at the end of 1995, profited more than a dollar with WCW. Way more. Because he did all the cuts that Dave was mentioning. And uh, the guy did. They had a big executive meeting, and the guy got on his knees and gave him the dollar in front of everybody. And Bischoff was the first guy since Ted Turner had bought WCW in 1988 to turn a profit with that company in 1995, which 1995 was kind of shit for both companies, to be honest. It was a real bad year for wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Except for ECW, Shitty. it so was coming up right? because people, yes. because kind of like today's atmosphere, ECW was coming up in 95 when people, the hardcore audience were just sick of the shit, the cartoon character and the shitty stuff. There was still a kind of a, I guess a mainstream or a casual audience a little bit left. And so they would still watch the bullshit, but like some hardcore fans were like, we don't want to watch doinks. We don't want, I mean, I doink is a bad example because the evil doink was cool, but we don't want to watch Hulk anymore. We don't want to watch cartoon characters anymore. And the ninjas and the quangs. And there's only, there's only one major difference to that comparison is that I'm pretty sure AEW will not bounce checks, but anyway, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. That's neither here nor there. You're right. But I mean, like that's neither here nor there. But I mean, like that's the the kind of we're sort of in a similar scenario. If I was a wrestler, it would be neither here nor there. I'm just saying. Oh, God damn it, Dave. Are we going to have an episode of fucking the what's right for pro wrestlers that we're converting this into? ECW time. What? Yeah, he's, I'm just, he, what the, uh, things Eric, about if I, didn't get, if I didn't get if I didn't collect a paycheck on a house that was packed, I'd be a I pissed. didn't say anything negative about the wrestlers. I said you're right about AEW, and that was the the point I was making was just the rise of yeah. ECW. It wasn't the check bouncing? I'm just saying it's the only difference. I wasn't trying to be a dick. You are it. though thoroughly all the well, time. Well, you you can make me the dick, but I'm pretty sure most NXT people will be like, yeah, you know, Dave's Christ. right. If I if I work, you fucking pay me. Uh, I wasn't even trying to talk on that subject right now. You've I know you weren't trying to talk uh, about it. I'm going to talk about uh, it. Uh, right, oh so anyways, to we're going to move on to the next level uh, of WCW. So he did. I know Jess is going to be upset. Uh, it's all. Good. I'm not upset. I'm sighing. That's a different. That's disappointment. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> disappointment. And by the way, by the time this all happens, you know we're we're getting to the point where Bischoff eventually gets signed as the president of WCW. What, what year was like, this? The Almighty. What year? But before that happens, Bischoff signs a major WWF superstar. Well. Not as major as Hulk Hogan, let's be honest. Right, he already yeah. Signed so, yeah, he does. He signed Hogan in 94, which was a coup. And l- that was a big deal. And, and but it wasn't going anywhere in the hindsight, right? No, you have the he, flair, you're, Hogan. You're correct, Dave. But at the same time, it kind of did. Because Bischoff's plan was Hulk was yeah. available. And so, basically, they went. And you signed Yeah, him. he went to, to Turner. And he's like, look, we got to kind of open up your. I know you've been kind of dumping money into this company a lot. And he hadn't profited yet. I said he profited at the end of 95. We're talking about 94 right mm-hmm. now. So he's like, look, like we're that close. I've cut this cost. I've cut that cost. You got to trust me. So look, Hulk Hogan's available. And I know that's crazy to even think that Hulk will ever go to WCW, but he's not. He's on the outs with Vince. He's done there. He's doing Thunder in Paradise. Rick knows him as in Ric Flair. So I'll send Rick out there. And I want to say that Sting did an episode of Thunder in Paradise, too. And so he's like, look, we're kind of getting in, you know, with him or whatever. Flair goes out. Flair arranges a meeting. Hulk and Bischoff talk. Hulk's like, you like basically you can't afford me not to be a dick, but he was just like, look, brother, are you going to come to the table with a big boy deal? And because Hulk's like, I'm going to put my penis on the fucking table. I'm going to put my big ass cock on this table, brother. And so Bischoff's like, I don't want that. And Bischoff's like, I don't want that. I'm trying to profit. I bet some guy a fucking dollar. I cannot afford tables. So he was like, okay, like, let me go to Turner. Turner's like, sure. Like, what do do you want? I can, I can have TBS Pam. I can have, you know what I mean? Like we can find some way 
to pay him in there. Do you really think this will work? Yes, I do. So they fucking sign him. You know something, Mean G? We're on nationwide TV, brother. WCW and Hulk Hogan. All my Hulkamaniacs are on TV with us right now. And I told you, little dude, that Hulkamania is going to run wild. Check this out, brother. Check it out. Oh, my. Jimmy. He beats Flair in 94 for the title. Um, and mm-hmm. he uses, I know the ratings did flatten out at the end of 94. And so did the pay-per-view buy rates. But, but. They spiked really big in the beginning, but what Bischoff really needed Hulk for was to be taken seriously from the Pepsi advertisers and the Coca-Cola advertisers and the big guys that did believe in WWE at one time and they believe in the NFL and the NBA and and, and Major League Baseball. So he's like, we need that. We need that big revenue. We can't just take these little fucking like, you know, uh, O'Reilly's Auto Parts shit. You know, we can't just live (laughs) off that. We have to live off something bigger. So when you get a Hulk Hogan, that fucking works for your company advertisers and foreign advertisers and foreign markets were like, okay, we know him. We know Hulk. Yes. Like we'll advertise with you. So that works. So yes, at the end of 94, beginning of 95, the ratings did kind of flatten out or not. The, yeah. The ratings did flatten out. Um, Nitro had not debuted yet. Uh, and the pay-per-view buy rates, it kind of just like adjusted and kind of gone back to sort of normal, a little bit, a little bit above average, but not as much as what Hulk was making. But Bischoff's like, like, so all the dirt sheets and shit were shitting on that. Meanwhile, Bischoff's kind of smiling, going like, you don't understand. Like, I just got this advertiser and that advertiser and this one. And then, like Dave's saying, he gets a guy named Randy Savage at the end of 94. And what comes along with Randy Savage, Dave? What sponsor? Slim Jim. Fucking Slim Jim. But I wasn't, but I wasn't talking about oh, that. Whatever. Who were you talking about after that? It was not my anybody. Yeah, you're just jumping, bro. It's all good. Don't oh, worry about Jesus it. Jesus Christ. You know, you you <clears> said <throat> before I went off on my tangent that they they hired someone not as big as Hulk, though. Were you talking about Savage? Nah. Or were you talking about Brother Brood? Go back and look at the tape. It's fine. It's That's fine. That's what but you you're said. Right. Right. Is that what you said? Sa- Savage is a big part of that. And but the big thing that we're trying to get to is who he really signed, who was not trying to betray themselves as the WWF, even though they did. And that's where. You know, Scott Hall comes in. That's Razor Ramon, but he wasn't Razor Ramon when he came into WCW. And then he was joined by Kevin Nash, better known as. Did you Diesel. just shit on me when we were talking about 1994 and then you hyper jumped to 1996? Is that you just did that right now to me? I. <laughs> you just did that right now. And and I, you did. You did say that he did hire someone not as big as Hulk. And I did mistakenly say that was Savage, which is not what you meant. <laughs> It's not untrue though. He is not as big but as. Did Hulk, but did you just hyper? It wasn't what I was talking about. You just shit about. on me right now, and you hyper jumped to 1996. We, we. Briefly, I was trying to we, say that. No, fuck it. Let's just jump. And then not, in 2001, no. guys, shit went off the fucking rails, and Bischoff was going to buy the company. Be, Let's just do that. <sighs> we briefly Jesus mentioned 1995. <laughs> we briefly. Touched why is on anybody? I'm trying to. I was trying to warm up the engine. I was trying to rub Dave's ding dong, you know, a little bit and get him all hard. Don't and touch it, bro. Don't even what? think about touching it. That's How just, dare that you? doesn't do anything for me. No, you have to understand that. I love Savage, but Savage is not a part of this story in a major realm. Savage is there. I know, but Bischoff but got him because of Hulk. I mean, great. Hulk, but I mean, that's great. That's part of the puzzle, right? He wanted to get, but is, 
But let me ask you a question. If Savage went heel and was the head, the head of the end of the No, NWO, no, I'm not big? even on that subject. You're right about I what know you're, you're saying. But I'm saying that that because uh, playing up into on, it. You're on a crazy tangent I'm with Macho. I'm not. I'm following the timeline, which if you'd listen for a second and stop interrupting no, me. I'm, I'm we were listening. going from 94 to 95, and then Dave's like, let's hyper jump to mm. 2018. And I was like, no, what? What do you mean 2018, Dave? That's crazy. You're just talking about crazy. I'm just saying. It all started falling together. He got the foreign markets. He got the foreign advertisers. Then Savage comes in with Slim Jim. He got Slim Jim. Yeah. Which increased, which increased business, which gets him to a point where Nitro, well, you just jumped over Nitro. Dollars. Yeah, you I just agree. jumped over Nitro because Nitro debuted in 95 and you just jumped to Hall in 96. So you skipped Nitro. So again, Wait, that's me, true. Yeah. Let me guide you. I will guide you, my friend. Let the, me guide the you. The only thing like we mentioned game. about 95 was Bischoff turning our profit. Uh, Yes. So, yeah, we, we didn't get to the Nitro part. Right. That we didn't talk big, to about Nitro, part. which is part of getting Hulk and Savage and all those okay. guys. Bischoff went to Turner, and he <laughs> asked Turner for Monday nights. He did. He did. And he got he it. He mentioned that. Yeah, like an hour ago when we were talking about, like, 1991, he mentioned <laughs> that. <laughs> and Dave, let me guide you like you guide me on the Top Gun game when I can't feel the fucking <sighs> plane in the air, and you can do it, apparently, dun, dun, in your fucking dun, sleep. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. On a side note, yes, so, this is true. So we're playing the fucking Top Gun game on Nintendo, and I cannot feel the fucking plane in the air to save my life. And one time, Dave's over and, my house, and who and who saves and you? And I'm fuck, I'm struggling you? like a motherfucker. And then Dave just goes casually, "Let me see that for a second So I was like, "Okay." Fucking Dave has a serious look in his eye. So I give him the fucking controller, and he fucking anyone who's played this game knows that feeling that fucking plane in the air is is harder <laughs> than landing on the aircraft carrier. So. Dave fucking takes the control, and within five mm. seconds, he fucking fuels it, and he's all, here you go. <laughs> and I was like, what the flying fuck? Like, he just did it in a second. So that's great. I, I can't believe I that you remember that one. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It, and then you're bringing that well, up. It's just fucking truth. Eric Bischoff podcast. That's my right metaphor. Let me guide you like well, you I mean, guided Bischoff, me back in the day. I was dying Young on Bischoff top of Bischoff was like a Tom Cruise, so there you go. Hi. I don't connects. see it. It connects. The black hair. Fuck it's off, the black hair, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you know. The black short hair. Anyway, so I'll ca- let me catch Dave up to speed because we're, we're derailing yes. Dave right now. Um, I don't care. Nitro, don't Nitro, Nitro care. debuted in Labor Day of 1995. It was a huge deal, yep. like Dave said Labor before. Day. He goes into, like, you know, they, they get Hulk, they get Savage, they get everybody. And they're still, you know, they, they don't split the audience on Monday nights. They bring more. So now they're trading yeah. victories back and forth. Each show is getting like 2 million viewers, which is really good back then for cable. And so uh, Turner's like, what do we got to do? What else we got to do? Bischoff is kind of out of ideas. And he's like, um, I don't know. Um, g- give me a, a slot on one of your, your networks um, going up against Monday Night Raw. And yeah, Turner was like, okay, no problem. TNT, same time that Raw's on, you got it. And Bischoff's like, I don't know what I just fucking asked for right now, but I got it. Like, so... He it's, never thought he would get it. Yeah, he never thought yeah. he would get it. Never. Yeah, I want Monday nights at eight o'clock. I think he never. And gets and it. they did crazy shit. The- like and Bischoff again is the head of all this too. He did crazy shit. Like he would do these little ratings tricks where he's like, "Turn Ted, can I go on? I want to go on five minutes before Raw every week. So if Raw starts at eight p.m., I want to go on at seven fifty-five. And Turner's like, "Okay, that's odd. I mean, because back in the day, the Superstation, right, six oh five Eastern time, that was always the big thing. Power Hour is actually copying that time right now. So he's like, "Yeah, I yes, want to go on exactly. at seven. I want to go at seven fifty-five Eastern time." So Turner's like, "Okay, sounds good. Here's what this clever motherfucker did, which at the time got people in all kinds of like an uproar. 
he gets on at 7.55 when he knows a taped Raw, not live, Nitro was always live. A taped Raw was going to start at 8 o'clock. He would go live with Nitro at 7.55 and said, oh, by the way, guys, if you're thinking about turning to the World Winding Federation at 8 o'clock, don't do it. It's pre-taped. Let me read you the results. And that motherfucker read the all the results of Monday Night Raw. Oh, you know, Shawn Michaels super kicks the big guy. Boring. We've seen that before. Uh, Razor Ramon beats Quang the Ninja. Is that even a guy? Uh, like all this crazy shit. And like, and people were like, you, you can't do that. But people started watching and people started taking notice inside the industry. That's when I think Vince first like goes, okay, like this guy's, he's swinging for the fences. Like he's trying to hurt me bad. Yeah. And they would do all the little tricks, Watch. like they want to beat him to break. As um, you know, you know, they, they all talked about like well, if we if we beat him to break, we'll get back first. They'll tune back to us first. It's it's all ratings play, right? Yeah. So I mean, all those things were happening. All those little fucking cheap shots, you know. And it was, but, hey, but like I have to it's say, it's a fight, that, like, right? Yeah, it's a total fight, and I have to say that like Vince was always competing against guys that were out of touch. And on the defense all the time, all the dying yeah. territories. This is the first and time. Bishop was like, no, nah, we're, yeah, we're just going to yes, go off. This is the first time that a guy like was fighting like, like, I'm no, I'm going to fight you because I'm trying to come up the ladder. I'm not I'm not old and dying and just trying to fend you off as you're beating me up. You know, I'm I want to fight you and I want to climb up the ladder and I want to put you in those guys position. And. That was all Bischoff's attitude. You know, I know we're going to get into the shit later when he gets burned out, but like he he was sure. Bischoff was on fire. Like he was aggressive. And when the production approach started winning and then he started getting the bigger names, he and he got Nitro. It was on at that point. And Dave now. Yeah, Dave. So, what kind of a well, fucking scenario happened now? Oh, Amid a. Oh. Go cuz I, I was going to say uh, uh, this could be a mid promotion for a future episode, but. Got to remind everyone for this promotion. Well, for us, a little promotion for us, but also at the same time talking about the story, Eric Bischoff. uh, Great, like because how you mentioned about him talking to Ted Turner, getting the uh, Monday nights. A great way to watch it, and I'm bringing us into this. We're gonna do a future future episode on this topic, but go back to the uh, W the Monday Night Wars documentary, and he tells that story. That's 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 where I first heard that story, and I'm sure you guys too as well. Before you know the days of dirt sheets and the internet, um, go back and listen to that, and then you know we'll do a future episode on that topic alone. But that's it. he tells a great story about how he talks to Ted Turner. That's all I wanted to mention earlier. I, and I believe that like a lot of people think that Eric Bischoff's a dick because he portrayed a character for so long that was easily hateable, right? But yeah. like, so when people see like a documentary of him now, I think people tend to not want to believe him because they're like, whatever, dick liar. But I'm like, no, like he was. <laughs> Go back and watch that. Like, think about what Dave has him. been saying up to this point, how fast he jumped this fucking ladder. That's not if if he was a dick and a phony, 
that would not have happened because a no. lot of I'm not saying anyone before him became was a phony. I mean, like, you know, Bill Watts had a legit name in the past. Yes. And every and, and wrestling, well, yeah. Jim Jim Hurd was a phony piece of shit. But I mean, like it Bill just, Watts though wrestled. Yeah, but I mean, like it Bischoff was he had to do all of these things that we're talking about, and they had to work. And yeah. they did. And that's the that's not a Look, I said before that like he hadn't really had any kind of success like this outside of WCW, which is true. But the success he enjoyed in the time we're talking about right now was was legendary. Was I mean, changed yes. the industry, changed it. Yeah, absolutely for sure, and that's what brings us into dun 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 the NWO. Oh, All of a sudden, in '96, sleazy E yo. Bischoff just decides to sign Scott Hall or Razor Ramon. And then two weeks later, he's joined by Kevin Nash. We can talk about the curtain call, but that's not really our calling tonight because that's a whole different. Yeah, and we, side well, I'm of sure it, we'll have like Scott, Scott Hall episodes and Kevin Nash episodes sure, in the future. Right? So, yeah, so it was a, it was a big. <clears> and they come in as the outsiders, and Bischoff intentionally tried to depict them as. Someone who's coming in from outside of WCW trying to take over. And and you can even, you know, put that, you know, implementation of this is the WWF trying to take us over. And they had to actually go on national television and say, do you work? For the WWF, and they actually just say, "No, we don't yeah, work for that's them." That's how fucking just that's to avoid how litigation and lawsuits. That's losses, how well right? it was working. That's how done. Yeah, that's that how Vince, over Vince all was, knew it was yeah, K- Vince all knew it was fucking storyline shit because he's in the industry. But it was affecting them so much. Sue. It was affecting them so much that Vince is like, "They gotta, you gotta make a public statement, you motherfuckers! I'm gonna sue you!" Like, and he just got like. It's, it was it got crazy like where it, yeah they were they weren't coming across as Razor Ramon and Diesel but every now and then Scott Hall would be like Chico and Razor Ramon you know it, they would do that to kind of get a little dig in and they always mm-hmm. kind of portrayed they never direct, them. they never said hey, the, yo, yeah right? yeah they never said the words you're coming from the WWF they're like you're trying to come in and invade you don't belong here and they're like yeah we know and then like Dave said at a very famous pay per view Great American Bash '96. Bischoff comes out on the interview stage and the Nitro's leading up before was that Bischoff's like, I'll tell you guys because Hall and Nash came aboard and they said, yeah, choose your two guys from WCW and we'll fight them in a tag match. Choose your two guys. And Bischoff's like, you know what? Show up this weekend at the Great American Bash and I'll tell you. So he gets out on the stage on the rampway and um, and he's like, yeah, you know, and so Hall and Nash come out and he's like, hey. You guys want to know my two guys? I'm not prepared to tell you yet. I'll tell you next week on Nitro. And then all of a sudden, like Nash and Hall are like, oh, you don't you don't jerk us around. You don't jerk us around, Chico. Hall hits him in the stomach and Nash power bombs him off the fucking stage. Now, now you might see that shit often. But back then on a mainstream wrestling show, you never saw a, a regular announcer. And that's all that Bischoff was here. He wasn't the character mm-hmm. Bischoff yet. He was an announcer. Yeah. You never saw an announcer take a power fucking bomb off yep. a stage onto a table. And I remember watching that going. Shocking. Well, what are they doing? Security. Get up there right now. Get security up there. Unbelievable. Please. Please get it. Unbelievable. This is sick. Yeah. Tony, I got it. They I'm, should they hold on. Where'd he at? He's right down below us here. 
Oh my god! I remember watching that, going, "WCW is fucking onto something right now." And and not to, not to dismiss the fact that the cruiserweight era was coming in already. <laughs> Bischoff had already two months it was already before on fire. Yeah. yeah, had already hired Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio, and all those guys were doing amazing matches here. And uh, and it was like with Hall and Nash coming in as like the top storyline. It just like people started gravitating towards WCW. They were making people talk. WWF was boring and the same old shit. And so yep. like it, it just changed the wrestling industry. And that powerbomb to me signified the beginning of the change. We have not even gotten to bash at the beach yet, but so this is before that no. just a month before that they had already started like changing the viewing habits and people going, fucked it. Do you know, diesel and razor Ramon are on the other channel and they just powerbomb this fucking announcer through. And, and it broke a lot of ground for Bischoff here because he cut people kind of started on TV. They would start talking about that Bischoff is the vice president up until this point. He'd only been an announcer. This is way before the Mr. McMahon character way before. So Bischoff was already ahead of the yeah. curve here. It's ama- It was amazing. It was a great, great yeah. uh, segment. It was awesome. No, I, and what people don't understand is that, you know, people are trying to, you know, obviously the, the WWE at the time are trying to counterpart and they, they talk about, you know, the oldies of WWF trying to be in WCW and or that all WCW could do nacho was man the old guys. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, the nacho all man. that crap. And that was their response. Right. And Bischoff, quite frankly, was probably on the other side going, Oh, this is their response. Just wait till we see what we got coming. And, and what they had coming at, at some point, I don't even think Bischoff even understood yet, but they were trying to develop a third man to really set this thing on fire. A good right? storyline. And then at the end of that storyline is we have another mystery guy is like, how can you not yes. fucking be on a goddamn like cliff at that point? Like a cliffhanger. How can you not fucking be like, I got to fucking watch. Yeah. And that's what he did. It's the ultimate soap and opera. Bi- you I, tune I know in there's, every a, week there's a lot of out. rumors. I, I want to say there was a similar angle going on in Japan where one of the promotions, not new Japan. Yep. I, th- I want to say all Japan. I could be wrong, but it was one Maybe of the promotions too. Yeah, maybe it was Noah, and it was like some guys were sort of invading, or they were trying to take the company over, and that was the storyline. So Bischoff went to Japan on one of their tours and saw that, and thought, you know, that that might be interesting for the future. Fast forward a few months when he actually gets Scott Hall to agree to hire, and then he gets Kevin Nash to agree. Then he's like, wait a minute, what if I kind of insinuate that these guys are coming from the WWF up north? And they're coming here to penetrate. You know, WCW had been this boring hick promotion like two, three years before. So why can't I just say that they're coming down to be like, hey, we're coming over here because Billionaire and Ted's throwing fucking money at us. So why would we not come? But we're also going to come in to show you that we're so superior anyway. He's throwing all this money at us because we're way better than your (laughs) WCW guys. And like it worked. It just fucking it was again. It's that spark that we always talk about. It just sparked and it took off. And this is before Bash at the Beach, even. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. It was. Yeah, it was. It was on Nitro every week. And then it was getting to the point. Well, who's your third man? And we know the backstory. We know that Hogan was tapped initially, and he was not down with it. They tapped Sting. Sting, and yeah. I think they were I they were unsure the about Sting. I think Sting was unsure, but they yeah. were like, I don't know if we want to do that with him because the yeah because the person you, that would make you kind of kill the brand at that point. Yeah, Sting is the only thing keeping WCW at least at intact. that time that WCW had their head on straight. They realized there has to be a face at the other end defending WCW. That yeah. that's got to be the storyline, right? So and there's nobody else but Sting because Flair way, couldn't do it. Yeah, Flair was it, not the face, If you right? bring Sting in and make him the third guy, it kills it. But what better way than a guy that came from there 
and came over here. Oh, yeah. And maybe this whole time he was a spy or a bug. And it ended up being Dave. Go ahead and take it away. Or maybe maybe he gets there and he realizes that it's horseshit. Yeah, right. Right. That I'm, way, way. I'm way better than this place. Yeah. And quite frankly, at that moment, it was probably true. But Hogan kind of resisted. I know Jess and I have talked about this. Hogan's concerned about merch money. And they're like, bro. Merch money, bro. If, if this goes down the way we think it's going to, you're not going to lose fucking merch. You need my penis enlarged and surgery money, brother. And they were just yeah, talking. Yeah, and the NWO well, yeah, merch is probably some thermos, of the greatest merch next to Austin, dick, right? His thermos dick had to get a le- like some kind of like compensation for sure. All right, and you and you can talk about the the Hogan juicer while you you're don't fucking you don't keep a big ass cock without feeding it. Jess, do you do you own a Hogan juicer? I I I did. You, yeah, good for you. How'd you that know, work out for you? Thanks, you know, for, de- thanks for deflating me on that one, Dave. Like I was all confident. I'm sure it was amazing. Like, Dave's like, "Hey, Jess, you fucking idiot! Didn't you? Did, I wonder who would buy a fucking piece of shit product." And I was like, "I fucking did. I bought it. I'm sorry." Yeah, and, you bought and you bought the juicer before yeah. you bought before you bought that fucking foreman but, grill. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah, Vince. You, uh, you know, You're a real Vince asshole, watching. Dave. How about that? You're a real <laughs> asshole, Dave. Thanks. I'm a, I'm a, I'm Thank you. Cuz, I appreciate that. Steers back on track here. <laughs> Thank back you. Back to the topic. Jesus Christ. You know Vince We're was done. sitting at <laughs> home watching Bash at the Beach. You know he looked at the TV. His his eye twitched a little bit because he was so mad. And then he said, "God damn, that was genius." No, he's probably on the conference call with everybody. You know, and they're watching it, and they're like, "Wow, did you see what just happened right now?" He's oh, like, "Oh, you talking about jumping?" He's the, all like, "Jumping, yeah, jumping I that did, shark." And we'll talk about the money. And he hung up, and he's like, "Linda, get the fuck in here, so I can slap you, bitch!" Like, and he got all pissed, and like it was a fucking big. It was a crazy shit. It was crazy in the McMahon household that night. And then he got on the yeah, conference call. Bitch. But that was Hi, that was literally the turning point, right? We get to Bash of the Beast. Well, right? Linda, yeah, Linda was Slapping Linda was the turning point. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It wasn't the NWO. It was like, and then no! he struck his wife. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about Why? spousal abuse at this point. Ah, fuck. I don't know what happened just, right now. Just just because Linda's a Trump supporter doesn't mean he hit the back. Maybe it backfired. Maybe it backfired. Maybe he called her in there and she's like, and she slapped him. He's like, ah, and he goes flying over the couch and she's like, you shut the fuck up, Vince. You, everyone well, knows feel, I've been I running feel like this thing. Vince is getting smaller and shorter every day. I think Linda could kick his ass. No, I, but, you know, she's probably she's probably been running everything behind the scenes more than we think. To be honest, yeah, it's possible. She's the Roosevelt balls. era. She's the real fucking monster. But all but all I'm saying is when Hogan churns, and we should pull a clip here. Speaking of origin, and man. turns on <laughs> Savage and establishes the new world order, the NWO. some of this now. Who's bad now, boys? Hulk Hogan arrived. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk. What is oh he doing? Oh, my God. Is he the third man? I, there's very little spots where I see the crowd shocked, throwing things into the ring. Yeah, it was, it, you, you know, probably killing I people. It was, it, was a, it was the ultimate turning The funny point. thing is, is like, I don't even know if it's called the funny thing, but like, People were booing. 50% of people were cheering Hulk and booing him. You know, first of all, you go into WCW territory. He was kind of sort of booed-ish. You could hear it in the background in 94. But it got really prominent when he started just being the same old boring yellow and red Hulk. 
So he was 50. Yeah. He, he was a face and they were trying to shove him down your throat as a face all during like 94 and 95 in the beginning of 96. Agreed. But people were kind of booing him. And if if they would have people cheering him, it's turning off. It's turning off the wrestling audience that's changing. So like people are just like, OK, well, I don't think I want to watch this anymore. So like what ended up happening was it he came out and he turned legit heel and it could have gone either way. People could be like, we don't like you at all anyway. And no matter what form you are, fuck you, Hulk, which would be bad heat. Or what could happen happened. The biggest wrestler of all time, who was heel when he first started his career, but you only remember his WWF run where he got famous, right? The ultimate Americana, good guy, superhero come to life, come out of the television, grab you, brother. Like, (laughs) second by thermos penis, brother. And like. All that stuff, like everybody knew him as that. And then he actually turned heel on a wrestling angle, which made a lot of sense and which is impactful. And it was done well, even though when he walked down the aisle that night, I'm a, I am was a massive Hulk fan. And when he walked down the aisle that night, I knew I was like, he's going to turn fucking heel. I knew it like when he walked down and he walked down and like people in the crowd were still there in the That's match. They're in the moment. Who's going to be the third guy? And like, uh, and it just, he dropped the leg on Savage and people were like, like Dave said, they were stunned silent and they started throwing more shit in the ring than I've ever seen in my, what a scene, what an amazing scene. Even when Gene Okerlund's in there trying to interview him afterwards, they're pelting them with Coke, like uh, 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 cups of Coke, cups of beer, uh, fucking wads of trash, like throwing it. Like the ring was filled like with just fucking like, People were probably shitting in cups and throwing it for all I know. Like it was nuts. Like you, I, we had never seen anything like that towards the guy that put wrestling on the map on a national level. The big, the biggest hero ever was getting just, so it was the perfect reaction, but there was that, like when he dropped the leg, there was that half a second when you're like, what fucking way is this going to go? Are they going to shit on him as in get off my TV shit on him? Or are they going to, Oh fuck. Yep. They're going to fucking riot. Like, and it just, it was that craziness. And instantly, instantly, WCW and NWO was heads and shoulders above WWF. Instantly. It was a reality-based feud. It was Scott Hall and Kevin Nash coming in in their real names, talking about, we have a mole. We have someone on the inside. We're going to rip wrestling apart from the inside out. We're coming here and invading you. And that was a very real kind of, you know, when our country's at war, someone's invading us, right? Or they're attempting to. So we go and defend our honor. Someone's invading WCW. That's a very, like, intrusive kind of feeling. And so when you realize that, oh, my God, the guy that you hired in 94 to save this company has actually been the guy the whole time that's been waiting to tear it down. What a genius fucking concept. In hindsight, right? Oh, God. Like, wow. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I, I think people don't understand that. I think that Hogan's career could have stopped at this moment. Absolutely. But it increased it by a decade. Jesus. Because of this turn. I mean, he helped give Scott Hall and Scott Hall and Ash were the cool guys. But Hulk, Hulk was the legend that had to jump on it. And make it work. If Sting would have turned heel or they would have brought anybody else in to do it, it would have been a cool angle. It really would have been. But I don't think it would have been what it was with Hulk. As impactful. Yeah, to have an invasion angle and then say, 
we have someone that's like <clears> our <throat> third guy that's like going to come in and really show you that we're fucking going to take you. We're taking you down from the inside out. You had no idea the whole time. And then it was Hulk. You're and like, it, oh, my God. So even people that were angry with Hulk, as in like, boo, you're fucking boring, yellow and red. Here's, the, here's the obvious comparison, right? When you bring NWO into WWE. Yeah, it's big. But was it this big? No, no. Because that that's the obvious, like, well, this is already an established heel brand. We're going to bring it in for turnover, and then we're going to beat the shit out of it. When NWO came in, you're like, well, who's going to who's gonna take on Hulk with all these people around him? Who's going to do that? And that was the weekly thing, like, damn, I don't see how this is going to end. And that is why Jess and Cuz, people tuned in every week. Because there was no answer. You, you got Mysterio getting thrown as a fucking lawn dart into a goddamn trailer. It's fucking great. Boy. And it was fine. It was just regular fucking programming. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, Bischoff was behind all this in the sense of he of did course. have a, you know, creative help in Kevin Sullivan and stuff to push the angle. But Bischoff really had to, his production values, like we were talking about, push the company to this level. And Bischoff had to really get into it. You know, taking the power bomb. He was in on it. And Dave, I mean, he got to a point where. He kind of revolutionized. You know, we always think of Mr. McMahon as the first character that kind of was like the owner that said it jumped in there. Not true. Bischoff in December of 96 decided that I'm going to go from a regular ring announcer to revealing that I'm the the executive vice president slash president of WCW and I'm going to become an on-screen character. And he did that. And not to mention the fact that I am the creator of the NWO. Yeah. And he did that on an episode of Nitro. I want to say it was like December of 96. It was before or right after Starcade. And the whole mm-hmm. angle was Piper was trying to get a rematch with Hulk. I want to say that was it. I I'm, I'm, might be fuzzy, but. And so he's been trying to get hold of your Bischoff. So Piper comes down or Bischoff gets in the ring. I excuse me on an episode of Nitro. And he's like, hey, Piper's not going to be here tonight. But like, I can't get a hold of the guy. I'm trying to get a hold of him. I'm trying to get him a title match with Hulk. He's not calling me back, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, Piper's music hits. So Bischoff looks like he's shitting his pants. Now, up to this point, Bischoff was just the announcer on hour one or hour two of Nitro. And uh, yeah. and so he kind of has like a, oh, shit, like look on his face. Piper comes down and gets to the ring. He's like, you look surprised. And he's just like, uh, what are you doing here? And he's like, you know. You come out here and you say that you've been trying to get a hold of me all week and you're trying so hard to get me that contract and get me a title match with Hulk. And I just I I don't understand. You keep saying that you what's my number? Yeah, you went to my house. You did all this. None of that's true. You you said you went to my house. I did. You weren't home. What's my gate look like? What's the beginning to my ranch look like? What's my street number? What's what does my house look like? And Bischoff was like stammering, stammering. He's like, you know what? That's right. When did you call me? What number did you call? He's like, you're a liar. You're a liar, and you're the guy that's been the mole the whole time. And right when Bishop, when he said that, all of the NWO rushed in the ring, and they grabbed Piper, and they held his arms back or whatever. And then you see Bischoff's face geniusly change from this announcer to this evil look. And then Hulk looked at him, he gets on the mic, he's like, now everybody knows who everyone else is working for. And you realize, like, holy shit, like this guy... And, and then Hulk announced him as like, he was the president and he's the guy that's been pulling the strings the whole time. He's the guy that allowed me to turn and re-sign my contract and come in here. He allowed Hull and Ash to come in here. In this- now, now that everybody realizes who everybody's working for, 
I mean, my God, this guy here was the foundation of the WCW. Now he works for the NWO. I'll tell you what. So basically, you're you're led to believe that Bischoff took that power bomb as like a sacrificial kind of like uh, initiation into the NWO, and you were like, "Oh my God!" Like this guy is pure evil. And from that moment on, the Eric Bischoff character was a great fucking. He, he had more heel heat than most people on the roster. Eric Bischoff did, like in a good yeah. way. Like, and this is way before the Midsummer Man character as well. Yeah. No, no, of course. We still haven't even gotten to that Mr. McMahon character because that's reaction to the situation. Because as this angle grows more complex, this takes us into a margin of 83 weeks. <laughs> the title of Eric Bischoff's podcast, right? Yep. And it's pretty simple. Eric beat Vince for 83 consecutive weeks. With this program. Simple as it is, right? It sounds easy now, but it wasn't easy when you start to think about, well, how am I going to going to overtake? And then at the same time, on the other side, Vince is like, well, no one's going to beat me. And this causes a major reaction, right? So Bischoff takes over for 83 weeks and he moves over from the commentator role to the manager role. And he's dubbed easy E and all that bullshit. And he's a he's a dictator and he's the NWO boss. He controls everything. And he, you know, he basically gets to the point where, you know, he he was even supposed to hire DiBiase as a spokesperson and the bro uh, the backer of NWO, but when it got as big as it was, he wanted to be that guy. So you can even think about it. Bishop was like, no, i this is my baby. I'm gonna be the head of this, right? And, you know, there was there was a lot of mainstream exposure. He appeared on HBO, Tonight Show, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, from the history we see, quite frankly, Vince always takes over. Yeah. And, you and know, that's I, the downfall of WCW going. Yeah. In. 97 was all WCW. And then they yeah. they they were I mean, they broke records in 97 with bringing Rodman in. That said, pay-per-view records and like that mainstream media was all over them. Sure. WCW was cannot be understated. They were the mainstream company in 97 for sure. Like, I mean, they were just all over the news. They were on t- the cover of TV Guide. They were on everything. It was not Vince. It was Eric and WCW. And that was you got to give him props, man. But unfortunately, he started. He didn't have an end game for the NWO. He didn't have an end game. WCW had to win. And I don't think Bischoff really wanted to get off that train. You know, it just and it got to a point where he started to get burnout. Mergers happened. And I didn't do a lot of research on this, but like it, AOL and Time Warner merged, you know, and and I think AOL or like Turner Productions merged with uh, Time Warner and like they merged and then Time Warner merged with AOL. As that was happening in 97 slash 98, they started putting a lot of restrictions on Bischoff and the guy that was always in Bischoff's corner, Ted Turner, was reduced to nothing. Just a guy that was going to collect a bunch of profit and a bunch of share, you know, shares from stock and all that because he sold the company twice. And uh, so he was going to be a, a more than a rich man than he already was. But like he was going to be removed from power. So before Bischoff knows it, he's put in a corner and he has no power. Now he has no allies. Now these executives 
that hate wrestling and know nothing about wrestling from AOL Time Warner are bearing down on him and trying to edit his product and trying to fuck with him and trying to say this and trying to say that. And that really started fucking with him at the end of 97, beginning of 98, so much to where they didn't do themselves any favor. You know, they fucked the sting angle up. The sting angle was the biggest deal ever. And I don't want to focus on that because that's more of a sting show. But I mean, like the sting buildup in 97 to face Hulk and beat him at Starcade was the key. And they fucked that up. They get lucky. They get a guy named Bill Goldberg and they find a way to fuck that up at the end of 98. And so Bischoff at the by the end of 98 was so burnt out, not just from the ride, from being an on screen talent and also behind the screen uh, executive, which will burn anybody out. Right. You can't do both. And now he has these executives being like, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? Why are you doing that? How come you're doing that? Even though he's profiting WCW in 96, 97, 98 made so much fucking money. And, but yet they were all over him, you know, because you had all these executives that just are pencil pushers and they have to justify their job and they have to nitpick and nitpick. So Bischoff's getting beaten down over the next two years. And uh, finally it becomes to the end of 98. Bischoff's pretty much done. Like he's just fried and they beat Bill Goldberg and they're, they do the finger poke of doom at the beginning. I'm fast forwarding because I know we've run long and they do the finger poke of doom at the beginning of 99 and Bischoff is done creatively. Like he's fizzed well, out. He's fucked up. And there's, there's another, there's another side of that too, right? We, we get into that to where the WWF size to, um, Hmm. Maybe we should respond. <laughs> True. And there's a couple of ways they respond. I would say three big ones. Um, how about Stone Cold? Well, yeah. How about Mick Foley? And, how about The Rock? And Mr. McMahon, right. too. And Yeah, that's four. So, yeah, by Mr. the end McMahon, of, Dave's right. right. By the end of 97, they're heating up. And even though they don't win, they don't win their first ratings until April of 98, right after WrestleMania. They're 14, chasing the entire time. They're getting close. And then they finally overtake Bischoff in the ratings, which I skipped over. They finally beat Bischoff in the ratings in April of 98. Um, I believe it was. It was shortly after Mania 14 when Stone Cold won the title. And then they were trading back and forth, yep. and 98 was pretty competitive, but WWF clearly had the creative edge, and they were fully was over. Stone Cold was massive. Bischoff was, ma- or, sorry, uh, Mr. Man, the character was massive. So they were the over. Rock was now massive. you have both promotions setting cable records everywhere. I mean, wrestling was on fire, taking the world by storm. But really looking back, WCW starts to decline a little bit at the end of 98. They're just sort of getting soft. Vince is fucking hammering shit home. Jerry Springer television. Let's do it. But Bischoff's being handcuffed by AOL Time Warner. What are you doing here? What are you doing there? Bischoff or uh, Vince owned the company. That was always the key. Always the key. Bischoff was just a cog in the wheel. And when time, you know, Turner sold it to somebody else and they sold somebody else, it gets watered down. Vince always had final say. So and when you when you think about it in hindsight, this is where Nash, you know, gets the booking rights. At the at, at, which, in like March or April of ninety nine, he gets the booking rights, and he just like yeah, he had he just fuck. I mean, they were losing momentum anyway because Bischoff was so burnt out. He's like, I need somebody else to take creative, so he gave it to Kevin Nash of all people. I want to say like people. March or April of ninety nine. And so Bischoff, yeah. like, so I could focus back again on production and this and that and the other. And Bischoff was just done and burnt out by that time. And Nash in the beginning of 99 just fucked creative. There's a famous episode of Nitro 
where Nitro at this point had gone to three hours, by the way. Isn't oh. that familiar? Isn't that haunting how Raw's three hours now yeah. and it's awful? Um, so Bischoff put Nitro to three hours and it started tanking and being awful because it's too fucking long. And and they did this thing. Nash's first episode as Booker, the first hour was all vignettes and taped interviews. They didn't have one live wrestling match until hour two that the ratings tanked so bad at that point that people were freaking out. Nash was Booker for like five months too. He fucked that company so bad. Now, in his defense, Dave's mentioned this to me before, that Nash agreed later, I had no business being in there. And But you know what? I, I When the announcement was first made, my first thought was, Nash has no business being there. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you yeah. doing? He was so burnt by this point, Bischoff was, that he's like, you take the reins so much to the fact that it fell off the wheels so bad by the summer of 99 that they fired or suspended Bischoff indefinitely. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's where the replacement comes in, right? You and and WWE is beating them like a drum every week, by the way, in 99. Every oh, week. yeah. At this point, the president of WCW title was eliminated. He was replaced by <laughs> Harvey Schuyler, of all people. Who the fuck is that? I don't know. Who decided to bring in just- a shitty Vince Russo and Ed Fiera from WWF yeah. and, and it made it even yeah. worse. They made it even just worse. Just trying to buy people, basically. Yeah, they made it even worse. And- it was bad. But and not even it was less than a year. You're a little over six months later. It got so bad that they brought Bischoff back to be an on there in 2000. Yeah, in spring of 2000. Yeah, yeah. April of 2000. Um, and he worked on writing shows with Russo, and it just, it just didn't work, right? And you have all the issue, the the crazy shit with Flair and the comebacks and all that stuff, and holy crap, right? But at the end of the day, you know, I mean. We had we we had an attempted buyout and just failure completely of WCW. I mean, this is where it goes. It gets so bad that they went from a fifty million dollar company to a company that was just losing. I yeah, by by mid to end by the end of ninety nine, they lost millions upon millions. This guy who won a bet in ninety five that and he finally turned a profit and had an executive get on his knee and give him a dollar you know, was reduced to at the end of 99, losing millions of dollars and being suspended indefinitely. And it's so crazy. This whole, I know it's been done a million times and talked about a million times, but the Monday night wars and the rise and fall of WCW is such an interesting, great, amazing thing. It will always polarize me to this day. I am so like amazed and interested in that time period where it's like, how can a company, go from that height. And it's a combination of a lot of stuff. It's a combination of Bischoff's not, not having experience to run the long race like Vince knew how to do. And the mergers killed B- Bischoff. And I know people don't want to give Bischoff that excuse, but I, I believe Bischoff on that. I can understand how yeah, he had no control. Dude, corporate pressure is pretty immense. When you think anyone who's been in a corporate that is sold while you've been employed there. And then all of a sudden it's a different environment and they put the fucking pressure on and they just took the life out of people. And it is a, a, I can't describe to you how brutal that is topped with the fact and that at the, at the end of the day, Jess, I mean, 
Vince owned his federation. Right, Bischoff right. Didn't. That's always been the key, right? Like, and, and on top of that, yeah, you have Vince putting pressure on on the other side. He's coming alive. Stone Cold hits huge. You know, DX hits huge. The character McMahon hits huge. Like, so all that, and the you have Rock all that going on. Sim- fully. Yeah, you have simultaneously that pressure with the merger killing you. And that was just, that did Bischoff fan. And the fact he never owned the company outright. That killed him. Yeah. That killed him. And at the end of the, you know, he got brought back, like Dave said, in 2000, and it never worked with him and Russo. Russo finished out the year as creative, and it was all a clusterfuck because Russo's a piece of shit and a garbage. Like, you know, <laughs> you talk about a guy who fucking. Bro. You know, people accuse Bischoff of just living off his WWE legacy. He did a lot. We covered a lot right now. Bischoff did a lot. Russo did nothing. He did nothing. He did. He was an important part of the Attitude Era. He worked in with the system they had there at the time. But when he got on his own, Russo proved that he was garbage and he had no fucking wrestling knowledge. He had no creative. He didn't have a creative bone in his body. He was guided by Vince and Pat Patrick and those other guys. And he was just fucking awful. And, you know, he to this day still has a podcast, but he quits. He quits a carrier of podcasts every six months because, you know, they did him wrong. Bischoff Russo is a fucking piece of shit and he makes excuses every time for his failures, but his failures are his own. And He's a fucking, I, I, I just want to put a, put it out there. I will accept all podcasts that want to, you know, adhere to the OWP. Just, you know, we're down. <laughs> yeah. Bischoff. When you want to accept Russo us. shitty and like, yeah, he's a piece of shit. And so like, but, but Bischoff at the same time, I will admit is not, he was not the complete package. He didn't, he wasn't very great at creative. I mean, he was a good producer. He got one good idea and, and he wrote that shit. He made that shit make history. I'm not shitting on Bischoff, but like he was not. And, and he'll admit that he oh, was he not. He says it every week. I was not a very creative, creative kind of guy. I needed somebody. Yeah. So like, yeah. So like he and Rusev, Russo was not the guy to be the creative Who guy. Rusev? So it failed. And Rusev, uh, it failed. And in 2001, WCW lost their television contract and Vince McMahon bought the library for $3.5 million. Yeah. That's insane. The whole, because Bischoff, the height Bischoff that they reached, the, 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 the height, the NWO changed, changed yeah. America, changed the wrestling landscape, was mainstream, everything. That whole history, and Vince bought for three point five million. This is absolutely insane because you said three point five million dollars over a company that was producing fifty million dollars here at one point. Bischoff even said, "Well, if you are not interested in the WCW brand, let me buy it." Yeah, what but happened right before? When, right before when they realized that that you know Time Warner was not going to renew contracts for TV rights. It was worthless. Yeah, he communicated and with Vince Bill Bush. Literally bought that library for three and a half yeah. million dollars. He he communicated. Bischoff communicated with Bill Bush, and finally, Bischoff promoted it like a year before. I want to buy WCW. No, 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 no. Yeah. And then when finally he came to him and said, "Hey, how serious are you?" And Bischoff's like, At, "Like a heart attack. I will buy WCW off you." This is when they still had the deal on TNT. And he got investors. And yeah, he got else. investors. Yeah. They agreed. Everything else, the sale was going to go through. Bischoff went on vacation. And while he was on vacation, TNT decided we do not want wrestling on our, our telecast anymore. And we do not want this money bleeder WCW on our television studios anymore. So we're done with it. So, so they canceled Monday Nitro. So when yeah. Bischoff came back, he got a message from his lawyer slash, you know, investor slash whatever that said the deal is dead. 
they canceled it on TV. That and Bischoff's like, too. well, th- it's not worth buying, which we look back now and I'm like, it's not. It was worth he was right. It was worth it at the time. But but we the, he without the TV deal at the time in 2001, without the TV deal, yes, I get why he made that decision. So yes. Vince swooped in yeah. and bought the library for 3.5, and it was pretty much probably <laughs> the catalyst that launched the network today. Oh, for sure. It's the yeah. foundation of the network, Jess. But but at the time, Bischoff didn't think like, oh, yeah, I should just fork out three and a half million dollars and buy the library. He could have sold it again to Vince four years he, later. He could have bought the library and sold it to Vince for 10 for times. For 10 times, yeah, for 20 million. And Vince would have bought it. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's, He would have. But nobody knew. Nobody knew. It's all it's a crazy fucking story. This whole ending is so it's fucking crazy. nuts. But like, I don't want to lose track of Bischoff. But like, I want to do this episode because I really am a fan of his in the sense that like, he did inspire the change in the mid-90s. He really did. And if you don't agree with that, you don't get wrestling. And you don't understand the history. You don't. You don't. Like, he did a lot of stuff. You well, they weren't on him. born when all that was going on. I, I think I think to briefly understand, and I don't want to get too much into the TNA nonsense. And Eric you're right. Bischoff's you're right. Yeah. It, it, that was a disaster. On WWE. But here's the thing. You have to understand what Vince did. To, in order to understand what Bischoff did, you have to understand what Vince did. Vince killed territories <clears throat> entirely. He changed wrestling forever. For okay? good or bad. And for good or bad, for good or bad, he took he took wrestling to a Saturday, Sunday phenomenon, and we loved it and we grew on it and we saw it on national network affiliates. And in process, he killed just about everything out there, with the exception of oh wow, this little this little Crockett promotion over here that happened to survive in the South, and Bischoff grabbed a little piece of that, and once again turned wrestling on its face. He completely changed the dynamic of wrestling by utilizing what Vince was trying to get to, but hadn't quite gotten there yet, and saying, "Hmm, house shows aren't important." TV rights are, TV ratings are, and that's how I'm going to get my money through commercials and everything else. And Vince hadn't even gotten there yet, and Bischoff just took this leapfrog over him, and Vince almost failed. He almost stammered. He was almost done. And you have to give Vince credit to be able to recover, and and uh, you know Eric Bischoff couldn't stand the long haul. Right? This is basically what it's about. Bischoff took this TV knowledge and said, "Hey, Vince." Fuck you on this leave Fargo over gave him the big fucking middle finger. And Vince is like, okay, well, guess what? I'm not dead yet. So I'm going to learn. And I'm going to respond. And we had this great era of, I want to say three to five years, how you want to look at it between depending on radiance, falling, raising, whatever you'll never, you'll never get it back. It'll never be the same. You guys want to talk about AEW? Fuck you. TNA's fucking, you know, putting up numbers against it. And by the way, Vince's C brand is taking half the market on that. It's not a war. It's not the same. Jess talked about this in his solo episode. It's not. It's not a war. It's not even close right now. This and it all stems from not just the It'll not happen. just the vision of Bischoff, but like they when they first debuted in ninety-five mm-hmm. against Raw, Nitro did. It, it would have told the story if they would have split the audience, but they didn't. WCW was a national company before that. Not as big as WWE or WWF, 
But like, this, sure. you know, WCW slash NWA slash whatever was Georgia wrestling was all inbred in the South and the East Coast. And it had a huge following that people still followed. No matter how bad the ratings dipped, WCW had, they were a national company. TBS was on cable. So people saw it all across the nation. So it had, it was a national brand, not as bit, not what we think WWF was. We think national brand, we think Vince WWF, but it wasn't a national brand to a certain extent. So when it debuted against uh, night or Monday night raw, it was on cable live and it brought new people to wrestling. Yeah. And not, not new people that, but it brought its own audience over Casual Whereas right now, yeah. AWE and NXT are splitting the audience very clearly because there's no casuals watching anymore. And so back here, yeah. even though wrestling was at a down period in 95, there were still some casuals left, but there were very clear people. I only watch WCW. I hate WWF. And that was a, that was a, even when WWF is good. I hate Hulk. I love flair. It was, it was stemming from that. And it just progressed, and Bischoff took that little kind of nugget, that seed, and planted it. And set it and on fire. Brought, and then brought it to the mainstream and the current product at the time. And he got new fans and college students and all that. Like, it was a, it was an amazing time that if you didn't live through it, I'm sorry you didn't. Be, and I know you can't help when you were born, but I'm sorry you didn't live through that because it was fucking amazing. Not if you go back and watch some of the episodes. You look, you look back at some of the episodes – and you're like, oh, that wasn't so great. But the competitiveness, you felt it. You fucking felt him reading the results. You felt Hulk turning. You felt Austin. It was like, bigger. holy dog Austin shit. Austin got bigger yeah. because pressure was on the company. Mr. Moran character developed because pressure was on the company from WCW on the other side. It was all competition always breeds the best in companies. Always, always, always. And this was the, the biggest example of that. And we'll never see it. I don't know if we'll ever see it again. I really don't. I hate to say that. I don't think we will. We're going to see these fucking yeah. YouTube promotions like NWA Power, which I love, and AWE and NXT. And they're going to split the audience into halves, into thirds, into quarters, into eighths, into 32s. They're going to keep splitting. Hey, splitting. hey, Brian Alvarez, what was the ratings for AEW and all, you know, eat, our bullshit. both shows, CISO both shows are below a million. So, yeah, but the World against, Series, to be but fair, the World Series. Yeah, I mean, the no, world, that's true. That's a good. That's no, no, good. I don't give a fuck. The World Series, the NBA, and the NBA debuted. Okay. Uh, hey, by the way, by just, the way, that shit we didn't talked matter. about it before. Hey, cuz what were they not setting rating records during NFL season? Yes. On oh, Monday yeah, nights? no, during, they were. Okay, for sure. So it doesn't fucking sure. matter if the World Series is on or the NBA. No, it's or not NBA. It's not so. To that so if your product is hot, if your product is hot and you're not bringing new people in, you're going to split the audience into halves, into yeah. quarters, into eights, and that Back is not good for wrestling. If your excuse is, but it was good considering the World Series. Well, I'll tell you right now, when no, the Monday Night excuse. Wars were going on, the sponsors from the NFL were going to Vince and Bischoff and being like, how can we buy spots in your shows? Because we're, we're, we're making good money on the NFL on Monday night, but we also want to, you guys are also pulling in. Between the two shows, they were doing 8 to 10 million viewers every fucking week. Even when Monday yeah. Night Football was going on, 
So it didn't matter. Advertisers yeah. were like, how can we throw money your way? That's not happening now. Advertisers are not like, hey, you guys are well, cheer, you guys are both below a million dollars. You, I mean, you know, Pepsi. You got yeah. you got what? You got teen, you got fucking AEW and you've got NXT. And I think it was under seven hundred thousand for NXT, and you got under a million for AEW this week. And but the excuse, like, Dave, was it's World Series. It's not. No, it, Dave, it's that is. It's a World Series. We have an excuse. Yes, it's a. T- but I, I know you're trying. I know you're no, trying wrestling to like back in the side, day was not about excuses. It was about just. It was a records. tenth of what they had back right? then. Well, not even that. I'm not even uh, like comparing the numbers because people are cutting the cord nowadays. DVR, blah blah blah. DVR and, blah, and, blah, and blah. cable. Cable Watch produces better shows than network TV now. So it's a whole different thing. But the fact is that when the ratings drops. The first things people do, and I'm not saying the AEW or WWF release presently, but everybody else that talks about ratings says, it's good considering that the World Series was on. That was never even talked about back then. Not even like news outlets or people who reported ratings back in the day said, well, football was on, so Ryan Nacho was down. It wasn't. Ryan Nacho was up, and they were setting records every week because the competition was fun, and they had major stars, and they had... they. They were creating new audience members, not splitting it. That's the difference. AEW was created literally from dirt a year ago, and it has no following, no history. No one, WCW, good or bad, at least had a history leading yes. up to that war. NWA. That meant a lot, and people don't yes. understand that. So it's not about the number. You're right. The number today would be smaller because of cord cutters and everything else. However, it just... Every week there's an excuse. It's good, but the, the Monday Night Football game was the Bears against Seattle, and it got a 7 million rating. It doesn't fucking matter. They were saying, NFL was on fire back in the day, but every fucking Monday, Nitro and Raw, beat. they didn't beat the ratings of NFL because that was on network television. They pummeled But it, no, bro. they didn't pummel the ratings. They pummeled the demographic and advertisers were going from football going, Hey, yeah, we're advertising on NFL. Well, How can we get a piece of your pie? You guys are fucking like, making Jess, money. You, you can argue, you can argue in some respect that the wrestling wars were the reason why Monday night football is no longer on network affiliate. And it's on ESPN. Well, it's on, yeah. it's I mean, on network on. too. Every week. Well, it is. No, it's it not. Is. Yeah. No. Yes. On oh my god, Dave! On Sunday, Channel Four, Channel Eleven, NBC, Channel Two. Yeah. NBC, no, 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 no! I'm talking about Monday. Oh, Monday! Night. You're right. No, you're right. I'm sorry. Excuse me. I apologize. Oh. I, I jumped down your throat. Sunday is a totally different bag. Bro. Normally, normally I would be justified in fucking trying to cut well, your throat, but you're right. I'm the only sorry. reason I, I reacted on that. The ratings in Texas to show that it's under a million that it's shitty. Like I, I don't fucking yeah. I know it's not good. It, it hasn't been good since. And I'm, and I'm not saying again. Like even today's ratings. Like if you, I'm not saying compare the number. To what it was, but like, yeah, they're splitting the audience, which is not really a lot right now. It's so that's different. And I know, I know, we're getting way away from the Bischoff, yeah. but but it kind of does well, come back to Bischoff after this, right? You know, it's just yeah, it's 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 not the same. It's and people, people, if you didn't live through the Monday Night War, I know you cannot help when you were born, but Bischoff was a big part of that. And and you, sh- I know he played such a good dick character. We skipped over the fact that he came back. To- he came to Dirty. WWE in two thousand two, and he was a great. He was not part of creative, but he did on screen character. Eric Bischoff, general manager of Raw, he's great. He did great. Eric Bischoff is a great performer, and and at the time, he caught lightning in a bottle, and he stretched it out as long as he knew, as long as his experience <clears throat> would have allowed him to. 
So I, I, you know, I we're an hour, almost an hour and a half at this point, so we can't drag on. No. But I mean, like it, the whole episode is on Eric Bischoff. I respect him, and I know he got fired really quick, and he hasn't done anything. His TNA run was a disaster, and everything else. But in all honesty, this period here, how can you not give him credit? You have to. for not only just doing shit behind the scenes leading up to the Monday Night Wars, but. The Bischoff character on screen was before Mr. McMahon and it was a great heel and he was awesome. And the NWO run was great. Even though we did have other creative people help writing him to do the NWO angle, it didn't matter. Bischoff, you know, not everybody was Vince who owned their own company, right? Bischoff did. He jumped the ladder, like Dave said earlier, super quick. He didn't just climb up one rung at a time. He jumped 19 rungs at a time. You know, like it was, uh, I, I respect him. And I don't know what you guys feel about him, but I respect him greatly. And you can say what you want. He's a flash in the pan, whatever. But what a big flash in the pan. If you want to say he's a flash well, in the pan, what a big. I mean, you, you can argue so many things when we wrap this up, but you you can argue that Stone Cold wouldn't have had the career he had without Bischoff pushing the other brand, right? I mean, they were looking for something. And Stone there. Cold was trying to show them something. What are you, what are you talking about? What do you well, disagree, Cuz? Oh, I thought you said the only reason Stone Cold became as big as he was is because Bischoff pushed. Them. No, no, no. I no saying, Stone Cold I'm, I'm had wanted that. to break out like that for a long, long time. No, no, no. Stone Cold wanted to. What I'm saying is that they wouldn't have been looking unless they were getting their ass kicked, and they were forced to look down the path. And Stone Cold's like, "Hey, assholes, I'm right here." Right. Right. So, yeah. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that Stone Cold would have never gotten his break because the brass wouldn't have allowed it. Yeah, it's like right now there could have been somebody in the Finn fold, a diamond in the rough in WWE that we didn't we never saw that. because there's no there's there's nobody competing We're talking about with Bischoff. them, right? And Bischoff, without Bischoff, there'd be no Stone Cold. That's a fact. Even though he fired him, yeah. If, if WWF didn't have a reason to to be edgy, you know, the NWO and the Scott Hall and Kevin Ash coming in as the real names and being kind of like reality based. That's it. The yeah. wrestling audience was tired of the plumbers and the quang ninjas and all that stuff. <laughs> and they were looking for something new. Bischoff, whatever you want to say, he stumbled, stumbled upon it, whatever. He wrote it and it made sense. And throwing yeah. Hulk in there on top of I, that. I, I even think he forced it. I don't even want to say stumbled. Well, whatever, frankly. whatever. He, he forced yeah, I know. I agree with you. I'm just saying whatever, like either way. And he made a big part. Just his character, you know, on screen played a big part in it. Hall and Nash turning Hulk heel. All that had to be a decision that was made at one point. Yeah. No, absolutely. Can, you know what? Can I wrap up the Bischoff podcast? I got two good points. It, wrap it we up, bitch. We didn't yes. talk about his WWE run, but I think we can bring up two points of the WWE run to end it. Two great moments. I don't know about you guys, but I was watching it live when it happened, and I didn't really read the dirt sheets back then because this was like early 2000s, 2002, right? Bischoff coming back to WWE. The biggest, the big, like to me, greatest moments was when Booker T and Charmel they were cutting a promo backstage. I don't remember what it was about, but Booker T's did, you know, can you dig that sucker? It was Coach interviewing him, and then he paused and he looks off camera like he's seeing a ghost, and then Bischoff shows up. Tell me I didn't just I was fucking shocked. Yeah, that was right before yeah, he walked out live on the stage. Yeah. Great moment. And then you know, you guys brought it off off uh, off air uh when Vince introduced him on stage, and that was a big moment too. So those two moments I think 
man, those are some of the biggest moments in wrestling in general. And, but but he played his character well, you exactly. know. And I, again, I'm not trying to drag this episode on, but he played the character no. really well. So yeah, to the, me, the, it's a big difference from Vince going, "Hey, let's let's take some of the nostalgia from the past and let's bring you on as a character." I'm the editor, I mean, Bischoff had podcast. no control, but not even that, that. Like just the lead up to that, like the, the the force that WWF was in the 80s and 90s was massive. And the failure that WCW was was equally as massive on the other side of the scale. Bischoff had to combat that, rise up to ground level, and then beat Vince McMahon, the Vince McMahon, for 83 weeks. I mean, I don't think people really understand that. They love to call him a flash in the pan, and I don't understand why they do. If you really understood wrestling and thought about it for a second, this motherfucker had to do what no one did before on the national level, and that's beat Vince. If you look at the small timeline, I understand why it's thought of as a flash in the pan. But but I think that Bischoff, when Bischoff says, I took a company that was bleeding five million dollars a year and hemorrhaging and turn it into a 50 million dollar profitable company um yeah that's something to be talked about and bischoff did that no one else did that i don't i don't know why it's so hard to understand oh it's a flash in the pan yeah you might consider that but he he was literally david versus goliath and he won he won for for he won for a while, and it forced Vince to change everything he knew about wrestling and to get back on top. I, I, I don't know how you can argue any of that. I just, <laughs> you know, it's it's quite incredible. Quite it really frankly. is. So let's wrap it up. Yeah. Wrap it up, buddy. Yeah, with that, yeah, as always, you can reach us via Instagram at OW. OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or just do the easy thing, download WrestlePost at no charge to you and join us along with other great podcasts of today. This is Dave along with Jess and Cuz OWP saying have a good one.